Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Signs, Wonders, and Miracles. And we are going to talk with Pastor James tonight about miracles. Welcome to the program, Pastor James. Well, thank you, Sister. I'm glad to be here again. I'm so glad we're talking. That means we're both in the land of the living. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that I wanted to talk to you about today was miracles. Miracles is something that's unexplained that happens suddenly, and it brings joy to a person. Like you knew you were dying of cancer, and all of a sudden the doctor said there's nothing we did, and all of a sudden they say you're healed. Well, that brings joy, an instant joy, but nobody can explain it. They can't put it in a test tube. They can't uh, try to figure out how this thing happened. So most times they just use that word miracle. Well, Jesus dealt in miracles. Most of the Bible you talk to uh, with Jesus is all about miracles in his ministry. Jesus came doing a fourfold ministry. Now, others say different numbers, but I use this, and that is he came teaching, preaching, healing, and that healing includes two different things. Healing also means casting out demons, and it also means healing from sickness. And the last thing he did was prophesy. In other words, he told what's going to happen because of the way we have treated people and the way the world is getting wickeder and wickeder. But in the book of Daniel, it talks about those that know their God will do great miracles in the end. So this is already starting to come to pass. I've seen all kinds of miracles within the last three to four years, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, pain leaving people's body and stuff. And it seemed like the more we study the word of God, the stronger we become, and the wickeder the world is becoming. But the thing is, we have power over them until it's our time to be taken out. And when it, we get ready to taken out, that's the word they call rapture. But in the Bible, there is no such thing as rapture. But it, it call, called a catching up. Well, a catching up is the same thing as the word rapture. And it's also another word that's hidden back in the Old Testament when it said Enoch was translated and he was no longer. That's another word for rapture. And then there's the the, uh, prophet Elijah when he was separated from the other Elijah and was taken up in a fiery chariot. God didn't tell us how we're going to go up. He just said we will be taken out of here at the time that's going to be put by him to call his saints to be there for the miracles. And I'm looking forward to being there. But thing, as I said about miracles, the Bible talks about it in Isaiah, the 61st chapter and the first verse. Isaiah, the 61st chapter and the first verse. And it reads as this was. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open prisons for them that are bound, to proclaim an acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to cover all that is mourned, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, or Zion means the church or gathering place, to give unto them beauty or ashes, oil of joy or mourning, 
the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, let's go back and look at this. When it says the spirit, it can mean several different things at the same time with Hebrew words. And they, uh, the the uh, people who interpret this did the best they could trying to uh, get the best word they could understand to talk about what's going on. But when it says spirit here, it's talking about a special anointing that people can see if, they're, if they have eyes to see. Some people cannot see the anointing upon a person, but they'll hear something that says, oh, that person's anointed, that person's anointed. But actually you can see the anointing if you've been, if God has given you eyes to see. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm born again and God's going to take care of me and all this. But it says good tidings to the meek. It didn't say everybody. It said to the meek. For we have to humble ourselves to become like little children that we can uh, drink of the milk of the word of God. And then as we start to drink of the milk, we'll start eating of the meat, and this will change us from glory to glory and faith to faith. But as I say, the good tidings to the meat. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. What does the word brokenhearted mean? It means that a person who has uh, multiple, this is what the scientific call it now, multiple personality disorder or DID, and what it is, it means that a part of your mind has been split off and it's another character. And there are another entity in there. It's not nothing strange. It's part of you. And so the thing is, because of these different voices you hear sometimes, or you you can't make decisions on what you want to do, you're nervous and stuff. And all of a sudden, your mind just seems like they want to go blank, and then something else will speak and lead you forth. Well, that could be the spirit of God, but it could also be the spirit of the devil. So. What we're trying to do is uh, when we do deliverance, this is one of those miracles, miracles upon miracles. When we do deliverance, we try to talk to the parts that split off and talk to them about getting to forgive and to get healed. And it says to proclaim liberty to the captives. A lot of times when we're doing our uh, what we call deliverance or inner healing, or there's other words that you use, well, it's better for us to say inner healing. We talk to those parts, and we try to let them be free because in the spiritual realm, they do have cages, and those parts in there can be trapped in these cages, and we have to take a key and open up the cages to let the person out. That's why he said to claim liberty to the captives and opening of the prisons to them that are bound, just like the word Egypt. Egypt means bondage. Well, unless you've been completely set free, and I mean completely set free, there's parts of you that's in bondage. I'll give you an example. Uh, Addiction. Addiction is a bondage, and they're under certain spirits. And a lot of times people say, well, if they just pray enough, or if they fast enough, or if they do this and they, they do that, but addiction is something that you cannot help. You may try to stop many a times, and it keeps like coming back. So what we're trying to do is that we're opening those prison doors 
and setting those parts free. Now, addiction is a demon. And to see a deliverance of people getting set free from addiction and stuff is miracles. I've seen people's blind eyes open, deaf ears open. People are in pain, and when those things come out of that person, they're healed. Infirmities are healed. Uh, I've been with some um, some ministries that I had to be with, and we saw some fantastic miracles, like demons that can control the weather and stuff, people that uh, are what they say, ADD, uh, where they, they say this child is, is handicapped and needs stuff. I've seen demons come up out of people, and the kid became normal because the spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm. So let's look at some of these things here. As I said, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that is mourning or in trouble. The Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And it doesn't mean physical mourning. It means when you understand that God is for you and not against you and that he is the vengeance against those people who are just beings that's against us. Well, he said, I am the avenger. He said, I'm the one that's going to set you free. So it is not me or a bunch of other ministries or anything else. It's the spirit of God moving through that ministry, listening to our prayers as we all gather together to, to, uh, to explain to the person that we're working with that God wants to set you free. He wants to comfort you. Then number three says, appointed to them that mourn in Zion to give unto them the beauty for ashes. In other words, when you hear you crying out to God and God really wants to give you uh, revelation knowledge of that he is working with you and he's going to set you free. Then it says the oil of joy or mourning, the garment of praise, or the spirit of heaviness. You hear a lot of people come through talking about, I am depressed. And I mean not just people uh, on the streets and stuff, but I'm talking about billionaires, millionaires. He's talking about ministries and stuff. They are depressed. Why? Because it's a spirit. And see, they always looking for everybody. Everybody's looking for somebody else to help them. But the thing is, the Bible will do what it says it will do, what God says he will, and he's committed to do that. And that's that he said, I will take the uh, the uh, uh, spirit of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In other words, that thing can be broken. But it's how many people really want to go through this thing. Then it says, let's turn to, uh, let's go to uh, Acts. The eighth chapter. Acts the eighth chapter. Starting with the first verse. Because we want to know about miracles. And that's what we're looking forward to right now. Miracles that God that God produces if you're willing to look for them. Now, Acts the eighth chapter, starting with the first verse. And it says this. Uh Saul had consented unto the death, and at that time there was a great persecution among the church, which was at Jerusalem. 
and they were all scattered abroad, the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The devoted men carried Stephen to his burial. That's who got who Sean gave consent for him to get killed. But the first thing he did when he was dying, he looked up and he saw Jesus. That's a miracle. Well, are miracles happening today? Yes. Miracles are still happening today, as I told you. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've seen visitations of angels that are here on this earth. And they're here for one reason, to minister to us if we stay humble. But if with the proud, we always, well, I don't believe that. Now, unless I see it, like Dalton Thomas, I got to see it before I can believe it. But it's better for you to believe without seeing and it says, and the third verse, it says, And Saul, who made a havoc of the church, enter into every house and calling men and women committed to the prison. Therefore they were scattered abroad, went everywhere where preaching of the word. In other words, here's another miracle. Here's this guy prosecuting the church, prosecuting the church. And all of a sudden he's on the road, a vision appeared to him. Now, the other people didn't see it, but he did. And he was blinded by the vision he saw. And he changed from uh, from Saul to Paul and started preaching the, the gospel that he was fighting against in the first time. So that shows a miracle there. People can be changed. A lot of times people say, I've been praying for my son, I've been praying for my daughter, and I don't see no results. I've been praying for 10 years, 20 years. And I don't see no change in them. Listen, you keep praying and don't give up. It says pray without ceasing. And what will happen will be a miracle will happen. And that child, that girl or that boy or that husband or that wife or that cousin, that brother will change overnight. But you give up nothing. You keep on fighting. Don't give the devil a chance to put thoughts in your mind. Well, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Because the more you think about what ain't going to work, the more you give power to Satan. But the more you understand that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that, that means don't give up. Constantly fight. A lot of times for people going through deliverance, the main thing that defeats them, they forget who God is, even though they acknowledge him with their mouth, but their heart is far from the truth. The truth is, God said, you're the ones that's supposed to fight. They're looking at us or at other people in ministry. They help do the fight. But the scripture says in uh, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, where it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not the problem, but against principalities, powers, against wicked rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places are principalities, thrones, and dominions. In other words, there are different, different entities out here. They have different controls, different places that they're being, and it takes a miracle to be broken free. And you can get into the miracle realm if you're willing to believe. All right, let me keep going here. It says in the fifth verse, then Philip, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. Now listen to what it says. He preached Christ unto them. Well, who was Philip? 
the Bible always interprets itself. You just have to read and study and step around until you find out who or what or whatever it's saying can be interpreted by the Bible, not by your private interpretation. Or the, you say, well, I feel this. If, if God is giving you something by revelation knowledge, it will line up with the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, you ain't getting it. So it says, Philip went down there and he preached Christ. If you notice, it didn't say Jesus. It preached the anointing. He talked about miracles. See, most churches right now, you talk about, uh, oh, we had a good time. The Holy Spirit came in there. Well, tell me something. What miracles happened? If you got a Holy Ghost-filled church, uh, miracles should be coming in there not once a year or once every six months. It should be constantly seeing miracles. The anointing is real. It's the people who are not always real. And then it says in the sixth verse, and the people with one accord, in other words, they gave heed unto all these things which still spoke, hearing and seeing the what? Miracles that he did. Even the Bible tells you these are miracles. These things that happened that set the captives free, to bind the up the brokenhearted, the pray your family back into unity with Christ, that we all come into the unity of one accord, of one mind. And that's why we have all these different churches and denominations now, because they say, well, the Lord told me this, and the Holy Spirit told me that, and the angel told me this, and so I don't believe that the other churches are right, so i got to start my own fellowship, my own denomination. We should be heading back to the one, the oneness with God, like eight, uh Adam, he had oneness with God. He walked with God. Uh, Enoch, he walked with God. He had union with God. And this is what God's trying to get us to. That's why he gave us the word of God, that we can put it together and learn the secret. But you'll never learn the secret unless without a teacher. And you have to have a teacher. And this teacher, what he'll do, he'll go to Isaiah, the twenty. Eighth chapter, and I think it's the ninth verse, where it says, who wants to know knowledge? And this is how you get it. Precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. In other words, it's a jigsaw puzzle. You got to go to one scripture, you got to jump to somewhere else, look here a little, there a little, until all of it comes together. And if you get something that says, well, it contradicts itself, that's because you haven't looked up the whole thing. You got to eat the whole roll. You got to go to where it all is until you cannot find another scripture about that scripture. Then you got the understanding. But let's look at this again about Philip on the sixth verse. And the people with one accord gave heed. As they Philip spoke, they listened and seen the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsy, and that were lame were healed. See, the, as, when he was talking about miracles, you notice what is the thing they threw in there first? Unclean spirits. Jesus talked about demons more than he talked about anything else. One third of his ministry was about casting out demons or expelling demons or kicking them out. This is the thing. Most of the churches don't do it. When you back in the old days, back in uh, 
before even Jesus came upon the scene, they had what they called exorcists, Jewish exorcists, and they were going from town to town casting out demons. Jesus didn't start something new. He just came, and the thing was that he did different than they did. A lot of times they had uh, different relics that they would use, like the three pictures of uh Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel. And when they put that near the baby, that would keep the spirit of death away from it, what we call crib death. But actually it was a demon named Lilith. And every time Lilith would see that, it would skip over that house or skip over that child and would not kill that child because of the medallion. But Jesus came and started doing the same thing by using the word. And that's why they said that was a strange doctrine because they'd never seen anything like that, just person being able to speak, but it's more than just speak one word and say, in the name of Jesus, come out of them. You have to go into battle. You have to use the scriptures. The scriptures is Jesus, and Jesus is the scriptures. So the more you learn the scriptures, like Proverbs, Psalms, you start using those scriptures, like 82. And if you look that up, it says God judges among the gods. In other words, God's on our side against the evil ones of this world. It also talks about uh, uh, Psalms 24, open up the gate, and the king of glory will come in. Well, we know who the king of glory is because it says in the New Testament, if they had known who he was, they never would have crucified the king of glory. So the thing is, the more you learn and knowledge is power, the stronger you become. Let's keep on going here. And there was great joy in the city. Remember, I tell you, when something happens suddenly and it's good for you, there's joy. Joy. This Bible, as I say, it gives Old Testament is giving us the understanding or the revelation of the New Testament. If we're willing to search it out. Then there was a certain man named Simon who before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some kind of great one to whom they all gave heed and for from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God and he and to him they had regard uh because of the long time that he has bewitched them with sorcery. There's a lot of people out here, false prophets, false teachers, false uh evangelists and stuff, and they all act like, Oh God done sent me and a lot of them are using witchcraft. And if you don't have the spirit of discernment, you'll fall for that. You'll see, oh, I've seen a great miracle. This man prayed for this person, and their headache got, ki- got healed. A little headache? You know, you got to remember, <laughs> I want to see great miracles. And that's what God is all about, great miracles. Yes, yeah, you have a migraine headache, like this one lady, and I say, we're talking about miracles. This lady, she did not like me. I was working at a hospital. And she reported me for praying for the patients there. But they were getting healed. And they were speaking in tongues. <laughs> and yet and still, she did not like that, so she reported me. So my boss called me in and said, if I pray for anybody here again at the hospital, I lose my job. I said, yes, ma'am, I understand. Later on that night, she had a migraine headache for like three or four days when she came in. And I just wasn't even thinking. I just, when you're compassionate about people, when you really want to help people, you don't think about the circumstances. All you think about, 
hey, can I do something for you? And I said, would you like me to pray for your headache, your migraine? And she was so in pain. She said, I don't care. I said, Lord, help me with this. <laughs> First of all, an unbeliever, and she got a migraine. I, looked, I put my hand up on her head, and I spoke the word of God to come out of that, that, that thing to come out. Instantly, she got healed. Then she went back and reported me. <laughs> and so when the boss called me in, did I tell you not to pray for anybody? I said, yes. And I said, I'm willing to be fired. I'm not complaining. He said, well, I changed my mind. I want to know if you can start a Bible study here and start teaching people. And if anybody comes from Rhema or any other Bible school, they cannot pray for nobody unless they get permission from you. Now, that was a miracle right there. And now that, that uh, hospital, 20 years later, it has a Bible study every week. Let me just show you the miracles of God, the miracle working power of God here. Then it says, and let's see here. But the, let's keep on going down here. Sorry, I lost my place here. Let me see here. Oh, there it is. And to him they had regard, we're talking about Simon. For a long time he had used witchcraft and with sorcery. But when Philip preached these things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, you notice that? The person that did the, uh, they came here to set us free, was Jesus. And the Christ is his anointing that he had on there. And were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed. In other words, if people see the power of God, they will really, people would change. People would change. And the thing is, because uh, churches don't have no power, most of them, I ain't going to say all of them don't, I say most of them don't have no power. Nobody's getting changed. They just, well, I, I'll be religious and I'll go to church and God will respect that I went to church and everything instead of them trying to figure out, hey, how do I get my life changed? I don't want to be just like everybody else. I want change in my life. So anyway, here's Philip preaching Christ, Jesus Christ, and even even the heathens turn toward him and say, look, I want to be baptized too, and he was, 13th verse, and wonders, and, and, and he continued with Philip and wondered, the holding miracles and signs which was done. See, the Bible makes it very clear that we have, that we're supposed to have signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, and miracles. And in most churches, they don't have it. Okay, yes. It says, now when the apostles were in Jerusalem and heard that uh, Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto Peter and John, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive, now listen to this, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet it has not fallen on none of them. Only, only, now this is one of the church doctrines, only they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, here they've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they didn't get the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we've got to go back the way God said. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. And that's where it tells you. And so, yes, they were baptized in Jesus then, but they had to get the other. They had to go back and get that 
done too. So the Holy Spirit would fall upon them. And if you read again, you go back and Acts, I think it's 19, when Paul was talking to people, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they say, Holy Ghost, we heard of any such thing. See, if the church is not baptized, starting with your minister, starting with your minister, is not baptized in the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, you don't have no power. Yes, you're saved, but you want power. You're tired of the devil whooping on you. You're tired of the devil taking advantage of your family. When you get sick and tired of the devil whooping on you, that's when you'll start seeking the baptism in the Holy Ghost. So anyway, let's keep on going. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. When Simon saw through the laying on the hands of the apostles, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this power that whoever I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Ghost. So in other words, it's telling you power comes through the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. A lot of times people say, I heard from God. Yeah, he probably did. It's, but God does a number of ways. He can send angels to talk to you. He can send individuals to talk to you. He can have the Holy Ghost talk to you, the Holy Spirit. So in other words, just because you hear, it don't mean God is talking to you directly sometimes. Then it says, uh, this is what happened because he tried to buy the power. So the uh, 21st verse, so thou neither a part or a lot in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, for this is wickedness. And pray, God, if perhaps that thy heart may be forgiven thee. In other words, the heart is what you think. Inside your mind, that little being that's hiding in there, you can't buy the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't make deals for the power of the Holy Spirit. God has to give it to you. And when he gives it, it comes the Holy Spirit with power. Power. As I say, when you... You walk into your church, people should be anointed and be shining. You should be able to see the anointing on people. You also should see the dark cloud that's on people. There's, uh, I've been in church where this man came in to preach. Everybody who was in the ministry saw the dark cloud over him because they were anointed. They had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're in a church that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you're in a church that you don't believe in casting out demons. All you do is read this book and ask your pastor, does he agree with the book or does he agree with some theology school he went to and been taught differently? And if you all only know about some of these theology schools, you stay away from them too. All right. Then we get to the uh, 23rd verse. I perceive that thou art a gall of bitterness and in the bonds of iniquity. Then say Simon unto him, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel unto many villages in Samaria. And the angel, you see this? Now what it says. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It wasn't God himself. He sent an angel, a messenger. Arise and go to the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, unto the desert. And he rose and went 
And behold, there was a man of Ethiopian eunuch, a great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charged over her treasury and had came to Jerusalem for to worship. Now, if you look at that, when it says that the angel talked to, spoke to Philip, an angel can be a human being because the Bible says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for many have entertained strangers or angels unaware. They can take up human form. I was at a church, and I prayed a prayer. I said, Lord, which way do you want me to go? I don't know which direction to go to preach. And this man was preaching, came out of the pulpit, walked straight down to me. He said, the Lord said, you need to go east, southeast. That was a messenger. That was an angel. Because as soon as I received the word and got back to my home hometown, I got a phone call. And the first place I got invited to go preach was Boston, which is to my house. So look for these things that God really wants to talk to us, but he does a number of ways. You can fast. You can cry out to God and Sometimes he may not answer you right away, but the answer is on the way. It's just that you don't give up. And then it says, uh, as I said, there was this man from Ethiopia, and Philip went toward him, right? And while Philip, while this man was uh, there, he was there to worship, and he came from Ethiopia. Now, as you can find out, they are still, even today, Ethiopian Jews. They can trace they can trace their uh, lineage all the way back to to, uh, to Solomon and show that his son was part of a Jewish heritage that came from him and Beth, and uh, the queen. So now let's keep on going here, and we see we're at the twenty ninth verse. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to his chariot, and and and. Uh, Philip ran unto him and heard him reading Isaiah and said, Understand thou what thou readest? The thing is, you got to have a teacher to show you how to read, how to put the Bible together. He said, How can I accept I how can I accept that some man should guide me or teach me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture what he read was this. He was led as a sheep unto slaughter, like a lamb, dumb before his shear. So he opened not his mouth in his humility. His judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his uh, generation? For his life was taken from the earth. In other words, you notice Jesus was a humble man. They, if you look up the Old Testament, you'll read there where it says, and Moses was the humblest of all men. God keeps telling me, I am meek and lowly, humble. This is how you get things from God. If you get pride, arrogant, I've been saved for 25 years, and I know the word of God. I know Jesus. Look, you're already bragging, so that show me you ain't got no, no humility. you got pride. When I'm boasting in the Lord, well, boast in the Lord, you show me some miracles. I want to see some power. You tell me God is working with you. The Bible says in the book of uh, Mark, at the end it says, and the Holy Spirit worked with them. And the first thing they did was cast out demons. That's the first thing God told them to do, cast out demons. All through here you're reading about casting out demons. But first of all, people got to be healed. 
the broken heart, it's got to be healed. The broken mind, the two, uh, the uh, person who has two, you know, two ways of thinking, that's got to be healed into one. And once you do that, casting out demons are easy. As long as they can hide behind a human part or a human body, they can express themselves. But once you get that body to agree with the soul to cast this thing out, then he got no place to go but out. So that's two against one. All right, let me continue here. And then um, then Philip opened his mouth in the 35th verse. Uh, well, let me finish up that other one, 34. And he answered Philip, I pray thee, whom was he, this prophet speaking about, himself or some other man? Then Philip opened up his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You notice it doesn't say Christ now. Jesus. Because there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man. That's what the Bible says, the man, Jesus. Because that came into happening because Job said, I wish I had a mediator between me and God. Well, you know you ain't going to win arguing with God, but if you got somebody who's on your side, they can explain it to you and explain what God means, and God will teach you. All right, let me keep going here. And as they went on their way, they came upon a certain water, and a eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? A lot of churches, now I ain't going to say a lot, but I'd say 50% of the churches I know about now, they don't even believe in baptizing. They believe in sprinkling you. I had one church that I, I heard about, they would sprinkle rose petals over you and say, you've been saved. Now, here it is, it says very clearly, you got, you got to be baptized in water. And Philip says, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest, and he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son. He who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He who calls on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. He who calls on the name of the Lord. And what is the name of the Lord? Jesus. Jesus Christ. He is the Son of the living God. So 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still, and he went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit, miracles, miracles, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip, and that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Miracle. Here I am looking at somebody who just baptized me, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God, God and he was caught away, taken away. But Philip was found in uh, Atlas, and p- passing through, he preached into all the cities and came to Caesarea. So in other words, miracles, miracles, miracles. The Bible is full of miracles. The church started with miracles. The church is going to end with miracles. That's why it says in the book of Daniel, those that know their God will do great exploits or great miracles. And one of the, the things for miracles is casting out demons and healing the sick. So let's say all you have to do is judge yourself. Am I in a church that's really showing the gospel? Am I in a church that's really talking about God is really who he says he is, or am I in a church that's just religious? Let's look at one more thing here. Let's go over to uh, uh, 
Matthew, the, I guess the 11th chapter. Let's see here. 12th chapter. Let's go to Matthew, the 12th chapter. And let's look at the 25th verse. Matthew, the 12th chapter, and the 25th verse. It says, and Jesus knew their thoughts. Every kingdom. Now, why, what is he talking about then? Let's go back up a little bit. Let's, say, let's start up at the, uh, the 22nd verse. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is this not the son of David? What it means, the son of David, means the son of the beloved. That's another word for calling for a person to be called Christ. That's why we're accepted in the beloved. That means we're accepted in Christ. And when the Pharisees heard this, this fellow does cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Now, first of all, you have to know who Beelzebub is. Second of all, you got to know what a devil is. Third of all, you got to know what a demon is. And see, they, as I say, it was common practice down there. They knew what this stuff is. But a lot of times, this is what they call blasphemy. Knowing it's the Holy Spirit and say the devil did it. That's the way you blaspheme God. First of all, you got to be saved. So I've heard people say, I don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit and I can never be saved. First of all, you have to be saved. Second of all, you got to know it is a miracle of God. And then he said, and you knew it was God, but he said it was the devil who did it. And that's why Jesus said they're close to blaspheming right then. Then Jesus, who knew their thoughts, said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not, shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, that's the word for the exorcism. Uh, he is divided against himself. How shall his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judge. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come upon you. So in other words, it's saying that uh, they already been doing exorcism before Jesus came. Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm the son of God. Stop doing exorcism. We don't need to do it. He was right there. He had people coming to the area that he was, and he would do it in the open. A lot of times people say, well, can you do exorcism on me? Uh, can it be a, a private one? No. Jesus did it in the open. The reason is it gave signs and wonders and miracles. Second of all, when this thing was happening, the devil gets embarrassed. And that's what we're supposed to do, bring the devil to an open shame. We're not judging the person. We're not judging that the flesh and blood. We're ju judging the spirit that's in them. Just like there's so many people that, uh, and I'm hoping this is helping some people, talking about miracles. There's been uh, people who said, I was born a homosexual. I was born a murderer. I was born a pedophile. They're not lying. They're telling the truth. These spirits entered into them while they were being carried in the womb. And the reason they happened is because 
Somebody said something over that child while the mother was carrying it. Like the, mo- the father might say, I don't want this child. Or the mother said, I wish I had never been pregnant. And when you do that, it's called a legal right. Legal right. And when you get ready to do a deliverance, the devils will tell you, I have a legal right to be here. I have authority to be here. And God will not override their authority until either the parent pray for them, because you have authority to pray for your kids up until they become 18 years old, or they pray for themselves at the 18th, they're legally responsible for themselves to either search for Christ and obey the word and help other people or keep going on with the world. The way the world is going to take them is straight to hell. All right, let's keep on going here. It says, the 29th verse, Or how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except first he binds the strong man, and then he will spoil or take away his goods? He that is not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. Jesus is saying, now, if you don't want to follow me, and if you don't want to cast out demons, if you don't want to pray for the sick, if you don't want to visit those that are in the hospital or in jail, that's in there for preaching the gospel or stuff like that, then you're against Jesus. You've got to make a decision. Who, who, who will I serve? Will I serve my flesh? Will I serve the world? Or will I serve Jesus? Then it says, Wherefore I send to you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. Whoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world or neither in the world to come. In other words, he said, if you blaspheme the Father, God the Father will forgive you. You blaspheme the Son, God will forgive you. But if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, then I told you how you have to, the only way you can blaspheme the Holy Ghost is see him do a miracle and then say the devil did it. Then there is no forgiveness in this world or the world to come. Your mind is turned over to a reprobated mind. And you can tell the person that's reprobated. They, they, I don't believe this in the Bible. I don't believe that in the Bible. Now, this is what I believe and this is what I think. And they're giving you all their opinions and all their thoughts about what they believe versus what does the word teach us. Now, I'm not so legalistic as if, oh, you have to go strictly by the law because you have to, first of all, understand the law. You don't understand it. You cannot interpret it. Like one of the things is it says, uh, uh, be not drunk unto excess, but be filled with the spirit. Well, most people say that means not drinking stuff. But yet still, if you go to a Jewish synagogue, they all have wine in there. In fact, if I found out <laughs> I was there at Disney in the synagogue, they even have bourbon and scotch in those things. So what was it talking about? They haven't changed their religion in over 3,000 years. So what were they talking about? It was the Bible interprets itself. Don't be so legalistic that you miss the understanding of what the word is saying. So when it says to, uh, the be, feel, uh, be not feeling to excess with wine. Wine is another word for the, for the word. 
by the washing of the word. Wine is another word. In other words, don't be so legalistic that you miss the spirit. And the word spirit in that tense means understanding. That's why it says with all you're getting, get and understand. The Bible truly, truly, truly interprets itself. Let me get here. Finish up here. Then it says, uh, 30 seconds, it says, whoever speaks a word against us, oh, we ever got there. 33, either make the tree good and the fruit and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now, if you go look that up, that is in uh, Galatians 5 and 19, where it talks about the uh, things of the flesh, and then when you get down to 522, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, Either you're going to do what's right or what's wrong. You just make a decision. And he said, oh, this uh, generation of vices, how can you be in evil, speak good things, out of the abundance of the heart, thy mouth speaketh. A good man out of, the, out of the good treasure of his heart bring forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bring forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account. Therefore, in the day of judgment, for by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. In other words, he's saying, watch what you're saying. You know, people always want to criticize somebody. And a lot of times you have a critical spirit in you, and it needs to be healed. Because if you check with those people, you'll find that they came from a critical family. And then the family before them was critical. And so this is why they have this critical spirit. But they can have the power to change. They don't have to stay that way. They can change their mind. Yes, Lord. Now, let me, yeah, let's keep on going here. It says, there's certain of the Pharisees, I mean, certain of the scribes, and the Pharisees answered, said, Master, we will see a sign from thee. Oh, they want to see miracles. And he answered and said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign or a miracle. And there shall be no sign given to thee but the sign of the prophet Jonah. But Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then the men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. You see that? It's going to be condemned because of what? For because repenting at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, here's one greater than Jonah here. The queen of the south shall be raised up in judgment for this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost part of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. In other words, he's telling you, if, if the queen of the uh, south, which was the one who had the baby by Solomon came all the way up there just to hear his wisdom. And that's how the Ethiopian Jews started with her. Then what is it all all talking about? That's why you have to keep on reading. It's talking about deliverance and still. It's talking about casting out demons. That's why it it comes here and it says, the 43rd verse, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks in dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he says, I will return to my house from whence I came out. And for when he came forth, he finds it empty, 
swept and garnished. You see, when a demon gets kicked out of a person, first thing they go, I'm going to tell you what they do. You can't cast me out. They're going to fight. They're good fighters because they have, they know where they're going to go if they lose. And see, us as Christians, a lot of times we don't want to get into no fight. All we want to do is say, in the name of Jesus, and leave it alone. And if the person still manifests, uh, can you ushers take her downstairs? Or if it's according to what denomination you're in, they might even kick you out the door. So we can't help you. You're demon-possessed. And see, if you are a Christian, now listen to me, people. If you're a Christian, demons cannot possess your spirit. When you're born again, you're born again of the spirit. But your soul and body is not born again. Your soul is being guided by the Holy Spirit, trying to get it to be in unity with each other and the body. But as I tell anybody, I say, if you don't think that uh, you think your body's been born again and your thoughts have been born again, let me show you some bad-looking pictures. And uh, I'm talking about porno. I am not in, one into that. Never was. But there are people that are addicted to it. They see it again. I don't care if they've been away for over 20 years. All of a sudden, it gives them thought. The body is not born again. All I have to do is kick you in your leg, and you will say, ouch, or you will say something. It's important what's in you. But the thing is, remember, a Christian who is born again, their spirit man is born again. That's what's born again. It cannot be possessed. I was doing the deliverance on the demon, I mean on this lady, and she said, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I said, lady, have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. I said, you confessed it? You said, yes. You believe it? You said, yes. I said, well, let's see what's in there. So we did what they call curse breaking. As we did the curse breaking, the demon manifested. And I said, where are you at? He said, I'm in her soul and in her body. I said, why aren't you in her spirit? He said, Jesus lives there. We can't go there. So they let you know you're a three-part being. The spirit man, once it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to Jesus. It's the soul and the body that does. And we're trying to get our body and soul lined up as one. So here we keep going here. It says, uh, 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he said, I will return into my house from which I came out. And when he came in, he finds it, as I told you before, empty. That's the difference. Swept and garnished. Empty. So in other words, if you put the word in you, you start uh, studying the word and learn the truth about what the word says, then he can't come back. But if he comes back and you don't, you know, on the outside looking good, but on the inside you ain't changed. You haven't let the word of God change you, but you're still addicted to certain things. You're still uh, criticizing certain people. You always want to judge somebody, find something wrong with them. Stop judging them. Judge yourself. Find out what's wrong with you and get it filled. That's why you use the word, like Psalms. You read the scriptures to, to help you get filled up with the Holy Spirit. One of the scriptures that say Psalms 1, 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his knowledge, his, his knowledge and stuff that he learns is the law of the Lord, where he meditates day and night, day and night. Day means when you understand, and night when you don't understand, when you're confused. I'd have to teach that at another lesson. But then it go back to 44. Then he said, uh, 45. And he goes in, he takes in himself seven other spirits. It didn't say what kind of spirits. It takes in seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there or live there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. While the people were talking to, uh, while he was yet talking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one of them said, Behold, thy mother and thy brother stand outside desiring to speak with you. He talked to Jesus. But he answered and said, Who is my mother or who are my brothers? And he stretched forth his hands toward his disciples or learners. That's what disciple means, somebody who's learning. And said, Behold, my mother and my brother. For whoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, I don't care. You got two families. You got the born again family, and you got the church family. The born again family moves by what God says, by His will, by His Spirit. The church uh, family. Moves that maybe you were born into that family, you know, biological and stuff, but they are not with you. Why? Because the church family and the born again family don't think the same. The word born again, I'll give you another thing for that. Born again means that your knowledge got elevated. You see things differently. To prove it, you read a scripture today, you can go back next week and read it, and it says something different to you. It don't change the meaning. It just gives you a better understanding. So the more that you refill yourself with the word of God, the stronger you become. Yes, Lord. Now I'm going to do one more here, and then if anybody got any questions or answers or need something to check, you can give us a call on the radio station here. Can you tell them the number again for me? It's 646-595. Four seven eight four and press one. Amen. If you've got a question. Amen. Okay. So let me turn to uh Mark the eleventh chapter and the twenty second verse. Mark the eleventh chapter and the twenty second verse. I'm gonna to explain to you why you don't get your prayers answered sometimes. The reason is we got a warfare going on in the cosmos. There is a warfare going on in your mind. There is a warfare going on with a lot of other minds. And we got to realize that we are in a warfare. And our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds or what we call castles or buildings that they, the demons hide behind. So what you want to do is in the thing is learning how to get your prayers through, how to defeat the enemy. So here's the first thing. As I said, if you, if you learn these 
Yep, see you. Do you, do you want to take a call now, or do you, do you want to wait till yeah, you finish this I'll thought? No, I'll take, I'll take it okay. now. You got somebody I now? got you, man. Hold on. Oh, my goodness, that little second. <clears throat> Area code 702. Your mic is open. Ask your question. Hello? Hello. Okay, hey, how I've you doing? I've been listening to your broadcast. I'm doing very well, James. And right, so, yes, yes, it's Daniel. Um, mm-hmm. I was finding it interesting uh, talking about the Holy Spirit and and receiving that. So you're saying that you really more than likely can't get the kind of feeding of the word that you need um, to really get the Holy Ghost in a mostly religious church? Well, I'm saying if they have the Holy Ghost, you'll see the power. And you receive it as how the Bible says. In other words, you believe. In fact, about I'm about to tell you, uh, give the teaching on this, about how to get to believe things, how to get things changed in your life. But you got to remember, you're the one who's got to do the fighting. You're the one who's got to get into those scriptures. When you're a baby, God gives us milk. But when you start to grow, he gives us meat. I had this one man that, um, I'll do it real quick. This one man, he was, I led him to the Lord. He was a paraplegic. And my car was breaking down. I told him it would. And I said, I want you to pray for me to get a car. He said, well, I've just been saved. I said, that's why you'll get, be able to get the prayer through. Because God takes take care of the babies, different than he takes care of the, the grown-ups, to prove that he is God to you. You pray for me to get a car, and I'll have a car. And I, as he was praying, I had a vision of his keys falling down from heaven, hitting my hand. I got into my car, left and went home. My car broke down about a, a block from my house. Ended up going to my neighbor, telling him I need to go get me a car. We got into his car, went to the place, and two places, and there was no car that I could see that came with that key. The third place I went to, there was a car. And I told this man, I said, that's my car. I want to buy it. He said, it's, it's a junk car. He's getting ready to send it to the junkyard. I said, don't send it to the junkyard. I'll buy it. He said, drive it first. So I went and drove the car, and it was bad noise and everything else. But as I was driving, I started thanking God for the car. All of a sudden, it smoothed out. No problem at all. And I told the man, don't turn the engine back on. <laughs> I'll buy it. And I bought, bought it, and I took it to the guy who prayed for me. And I said, see, because you're a baby, I got it right away. Okay, you got any other okay. questions, guys? Uh, did I ask you a question? Not necessarily. Uh, what you had okay. started into is pretty interesting, so I, I guess I'll, I'll let you get back to that. <laughs> All right, then. All right. Well, you have All a great right. day, and I'll talk to you later. You as well. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, let me uh, get back here to Mark, the 11th chapter, starting with the 22nd verse, where it says, Have faith in God. Jesus answered said, have faith in God. Well, first of all, you got to know who God is. God is the word. Believe that the word will work. What you read, believe it. It will work. So here it is. It says, verily I say unto you, thus that whoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt. Doubt and unbelief will keep you from getting miracles. Shall not doubt in his heart but believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall, he shall have whatsoever he says. 
Now, the thing is, I told you, you got to understand that the Bible interprets itself. And when it talks about mountain, it's talking about kingdom. So let's look at it another way here. It says, the 23rd, for verily I say unto you that whoever say unto this kingdom, which kingdom? The kingdom of darkness. Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. And the word sea sometimes means people. So what is what is Jews usually pray? Send it into the Gentiles. Send the evil toward them. Take it away from us and shall not doubt in his heart. In other words, you must believe what you're saying. You've got to believe it. If you have any doubt, it's going to stop you. That's why we have this saying, feed your faith, starve your doubt. So it says, but shall believe those things, what he says, shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. So in other words, it's not all, everybody else gathering because you can't live by my faith and I can't live by yours. You've got to develop your faith just like I had to. And then when you get stronger, you'll start going against the kingdom of darkness and darkness start fearing you. But in the meantime, if you're fearful or unbelieving or doubtful, you'll never defeat the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. It didn't say you will. It says shall. In other words, it's all about the mind. The war is in your mind. That's where the enemy attacks. And speaking of which, I was, um, the Lord gave me a revelation about these demons and how they do it. They actually have darts. Now, and some of these darts have name on there like frustration, anger, uh, argument, and stuff. And these witches and warlocks will take it and throw it in you, especially in the church, because they come into the churches. Because a lot of churches they ain't scared of because they know there ain't no power in there. And so there you are, happy and gay for a second. All of a sudden you're mad and you don't know why you're mad. That's because you've been hit with a dart. The bigger demons or devils, the bigger devils use what they call crystals. And they're like long pointed things with color purple. And they can cast these things from their mind. They don't have no... They don't have to have a physical body. They can do it from the mind, from the spiritual aspect. And once those things hit you, sometimes you might feel, oh, I got a headache. Oh, why am I feeling this pressure and stuff? That's because these darts are in you. They're doing it by thought. That's the battle. It's in the mind. But once you learn what I'm teaching you now, the secret of how to destroy the works of the devil, it keeps on going here. It's just that... uh the 25th, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have an ought against any that your Father, which is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. So in other words, you've got to forgive people and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, if you mad at somebody today, get rid of the anger before you go to bed because all it does is grow more and more and more and then after a while, it's hard to forgive a person because you're, you've been stinging, you've been brooding all night long, and now it's getting harder and harder because now you're really mad at them. But you need to forgive because this is the only, there's two things that can send you to hell, blasphemy in the Holy Spirit and this one, 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So in other words, if God don't forgive you, 
You only got one place to go. You ain't going to heaven. You're on your way to hell. So in other words, that's why I say, learn what the Bible says. Do what it says. Become a part of you that you'll live the word of God. And as you do these things, miracles, miracles and miracles will happen. One of the things about uh, the miracle realm, can you fast to get into the miracle realm? No. Can you uh, say a, a lot of prayers and get into the miracle realm? No. You just go in there because of the compassion of God. You didn't earn it. You can't earn it. God gives you permission to enter in. And when you enter into that, the uh, spiritual realm like that, then God blesses you. He teaches you things. But there's another set of people who enter into the spiritual realm, and there's a witches, warlocks, uh, druids, and all these others. They come in as a thief and a robber. They're trying to steal knowledge. When God wants to give us knowledge, he'll give it to one of his angels for us. But they try to steal knowledge, and they have knowledge through their, their God, which is Lucifer. Lucifer, or Satan, is the God of this world. The Bible tells you that, that he is the prince of, uh, prince of the air, the God of this world. So what it's saying, that thoughts flow through air, vibration of thoughts flow through the mind. Your job is to fight the thoughts. When the thought comes to your, your head, you're supposed to resist the devil. That's why I said, submit yourself unto God, which is the word. Study those words so those words will start to flow out of you like living water. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, he don't flee on the first two, three times, maybe 10 or 15 times. He's not going to flee because he's trying to wear you out, making you think you have no power. But you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes with power. And he'll work with you. It's not him, not you doing it. He'll work with you. But you got to believe. If you don't have your mind set to believe, then the devil's going to defeat you. And you have to go back through the test again. But each time you go through, you should get smarter and, and get stronger. Or if you repeat the same thing over and over again, you'll get the same result. But if you start putting the word and say, what does the word say? What did the other saints say? What did they go through, and how did they encourage themselves? Like the Bible says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? He went to reading scripture. He started writing down scripture. God said that David was a man after his own heart. In other words, the way that God thinks about things. And that's how David did it. He thought about how God would say things by looking at the scriptures, and he would put the scriptures to work for him. Like when Satan had him uh Number of the people, he put a, Satan put that thought in his mind, and he didn't put it up against the word where the word said that David was not supposed to number the people, and he did it anyway. And then when he when he got to repenting, when he saw the death angel coming to kill his people, he said, "Look, it's not their fault. I was the one who did it. It's my fault. Why hurt the sheep when it's me?" He said, "The Lord said, okay, I'll give you three choices." And he took the last choice, where it's better to fall in the hands of God, who's merciful, because his enemies may not be merciful. Other things may happen to him so bad he couldn't get back. So he decided to trust the Lord. So I'm saying, the more you encourage yourself in the Lord, the more you take the scriptures and put it to practice, the more you'll be stronger. 
And that's why I was teaching on today about the kingdom, about how to operate in the kingdom, how to pray in the kingdom, and to do those things that is pleasing in God's sight. And then you'll find out, according to what Jesus says, it says, thou art not far from the kingdom of God or the mountains of God. That's why you see the people going up for a mountaintop experience. Mountaintop is actually the kingdom. They went to the top of the kingdom, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And this is how we're supposed to live day by day. It's going to be trouble. It's going to be times people are going to step on your last nerve. But the thing is, the more you educate yourself, the more you start studying, the greater you become. All right. You got any other got any questions? I was wondering if sometimes we miss Father's miracles in our lives. Mhm. You know, cuz sometimes I have found myself missing miracles until I think about it. Actually, mm-hmm. until he reminds me, say, weren't you praying about this? Well, wh- what happened over here? So um, mm-hmm. sometimes miracles are just, we just miss them, and I think we need to take notice. Mm-hmm. You know, miracles we need to look for every them. day. Mm-hmm. Yes. The more you look for a miracle, the more you'll see them. I remember the song they used to sing, count your blessings, count them, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. That's true. If you got out of bed, that's a miracle because everybody's not getting up. There's paraplegics and stuff. There's people that have hip problems. They ain't getting up out of that bed every day. But every day you can get up, that's a miracle. Or there's people that are blind, and here you can see. Or little things like, uh, I remember one time, I was I said, Lord, I, I'm sitting here at, my, at this uh, 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 hotel. I don't have no money. My family is hungry. I said, I'm going to get in the car, and I'm going to drive to the grocery store. And I asked you to meet me up there. I had no doubt that God was going to meet me up there. I couldn't allow no doubt because... My family's hungry, and we have no money, and I have no job. So I drove up to the uh, grocery store. I got out, and I'm looking on the ground for money. I'm looking everywhere for money. Can't find no money. And I said, Lord, I'm here, and I'm looking for money. And all of a sudden, this man hollered over, hey, you. He said, uh, can you come over and help me? I walked over there. He said, my car won't start. Do you know anything about cars? Well, I'm a licensed mechanic. Yes, I do know about cars. So when I looked in there, it was just a simple thing. The spark plug, I mean, the uh, uh, ignition wire had came out of the out of the uh, distributor. All I did was just push it down there and it started. He said, oh, man, thank you. He gave me $20. I went in the store and everything was on sale. I had enough money to buy everything that we needed for a week and still had money left over to put gas in the car. But I couldn't doubt. I had to believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that he would supply all of my needs. I had to have all these scriptures going through my mind and believe in them. And because I believed them, they came to pass. 
I was uh, cast out of the house, as I say, looking for miracles. I was cast out of the house because I didn't have a job, and my my stuff was put on the street, and I said, Lord, I ain't going to complain. That's what most people mess up. They complain. They they think within themselves and give an understanding. Well, God, if you're God, you're supposed to give me a place and all that. No. I just said, Lord, I ain't complaining. I said, you know where I live. Next thing I know, I get a phone call. Man says, you got $50. I got the place to stay. I didn't have $50, but I called on the phone and called a friend of mine, and he said, no problem. Get over here and get the money. And I had a place to stay. When you trust God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge him. In other words, he loves for you to talk. My God is my supplier. My God is the great Jehovah. My God is the king of the universe. My God. Talk. Make it personal. I, I'm telling you, uh, I was at a church service, and I have uh, bone on bone on my knees, and I was hurting. But I sit down in the audience, right? And the pastor that, or the minister that was preaching, his name was Ted Shuttlesworth. He saw me in the audience. He said, you. And he said, I see Jesus standing beside you, and he's healing your knees. Come up here. I started up on that platform, and my knees were still hurting me. But once I got at the top, he said, raise your leg up, put it down, raise your leg up, put it down. He said, take off. And I took off running. And that's been over seven years, and I ain't had no knee problems since. But, see, I had to believe. He, when he saw me, he said, I see you are a man full of faith. I had to believe, and I had to keep the doubt out of my mind. So when I left out of there, I'm whirling my cane in my hand and smiling and, and, and kind of playing little games and saying, hey, look how I can run now. But the main thing is do what the word says, forgive those that hurt you, let the past go, don't keep in the anger past. Because you have a right to be mad sometimes. Some of the things that happen to people, you'd be surprised all the things I have. People's being raped, beat up, uh, money stolen, all kinds of things. But, yes, you can be, You have a right to be mad. And I tell people, before I do deliverance, you have a right to be mad. But because God says you must forgive, then you've got to obey the word of God and forgive. And all of a sudden, it becomes a lot easier for a due deliverance. Some people cannot forgive. And when they cannot forgive, I can't do nothing for them. So, as I said, the main thing for to see miracles, to have miracles happen at you all the time, look at the little ones and consider them, and then you'll be ready for the bigger miracles. Any other questions? What do you do when the doubt comes Straggling in. That's when you have to feed your thoughts, your doubt. You have to look at the word of God and say, okay, what does the word say versus what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling? So I go to the scriptures like uh, Psalms 2. Why does the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing against the Lord and his anointed? In other words, I'm anointed. You're anointed. So the devil can be mad as he wants and try to stop us, but we got to encourage ourselves back into the scriptures. What does it say? It says uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the 23rd. I had Jesus Christ because we know the name of the Lord. They didn't when they wrote the book. 
the uh, Lord Jesus Christ is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Where does it say you do anything? It's all you have to do is follow him. If he's your shepherd, the lambs follow the shepherd. They don't lead the shepherd. They, they follow the shepherd, and the shepherd is the word of God. Find scriptures to encourage you, like Psalms 18. I will love thee, O Lord. And then there's other scriptures that says, you're my, my high power. You're my dwelling place. You're my secret place. You're everything I need. You're the king. And you speak those things and forget about the doubt. Feed your faith. The more you feed your faith, the stronger you become. I went to a place that uh, I didn't have a job, and I went into this place, and I said, look, I need a job. And they told me, I'm sorry, but there's no jobs here. We already got all the people that we can hire. I said, okay. So as I went out, I remember the scripture says, uh, you would make my enemies at peace with me. And I said, Lord, that person back there, I know it ain't on purpose, but they're my enemy because they didn't give me a job. And as I reached for the door, I done said that, right? All of a sudden, they called me back. Hey, come on back here. I said, yes. They said, look, we ain't got no position, but we're going to hire you anyway. You can come to work on Monday. But see, I couldn't doubt. I had to figure God's word is true. Whatever God says, it is true. If it doesn't come to pass right away, it's still, he's still God, and it is truth. Hold on to the truth and get rid of the doubt. Did I give you an answer on how to get rid of it? By going to the scriptures? Going to the scriptures, yes. And go. To, the main things are Psalms, Proverbs, and believe it or not, Ecclesiastics. Even the last verse of Ecclesiastes says, the whole duty of man is to obey God. And who is God? The Word. Find you some scriptures that you can stand behind and hold on to them. But what happens if they don't get answered? So it's not your responsibility. Your job is just to believe and hold on. And there's one man, his son, supposed to be in the ministry with him. And uh, he, had, he was going out in the jungles to go preach. And when he came back, he found his son had been dead. For uh, three days, they tried to wait for him, and they were getting ready to bury him. He said, no, no, no. God had told me that my son's supposed to be in the ministry with me. And that's what he held on to. But here he is. His son's in the coffin. He's dead. So he walked over there, and he started praying. And they thought he was crazy, and he kept on praying. Hours passed. Uh, Look, he ain't coming back from the dead. And so as he kept on praying, all of a sudden his son woke up. Three days did, ended up waking up, scared the rest of them. A preacher friend of mine in Kansas City, his name is Bishop Daniel M. Jordan. The name of his church is Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. A lady called him up over the phone. She said, my husband just died, and I heard of you, and I'd like to know, can you come to the hospital and pray for him? And the doctor grabbed the phone and said, this lady is nuts. Her husband is dead. We, we done certified he's dead. He ain't coming back. Will you tell her to let us take the body on out of here? He said, give the lady back the phone. So he gave, he, uh, he gave it back to her. And he said, take that phone and stick it back your husband's head. She took the phone and stuck it back his head. And he said, in the mighty name of Jesus, wake up. And when he did that, the man woke up and coughed seven times. 
and the doctor fainted. Miracles <laughs> are still for today. Yeah, miracles are still for today. But you got to believe them. You got to believe that God is still God, no matter what. He's still God. So as I say, main thing, uh, Proverbs and uh, Psalms and Ecclesiastes. There's others in here, but those are the good ones right there. Okay, anything else? I'm curious about the witches throwing darts and getting you in the body. Um, okay. Now, how that happened, I just is one of my members at the church. She uh, was at a beauty salon, and she saw this woman materializing darts and throwing it in people with their name with names on it. So she made it. Uh, she said, "Look, this woman here is, is a witch. She's throwing darts into people." And the lady looked at her and said, oh, "What are you doing? You crazy? Ain't throwing no darts in nobody." And the other people looked at her like she was nuts too, right? Because that's what she's saying. She said, I can see them. They have words on them of anger and hatred and all this, and she's been throwing them in y'all. And so they just looked at her, she was nuts. So finally, the, the witch went outside, right? So she came out. Mm-hmm. No, the lady went outside first. The lady went outside. And the witch came out afterwards and said, I don't know how you're able to see this, but you ain't supposed to see that. So a lot of times you have to pick up things from other people, what they have seen already, just like me. The, uh, the reason I know about those gold, uh, purple uh, crystals, because I saw them as this demon was aiming at me. I wasn't supposed to be able to see it, but I did see it. So that's how I know what's going on. Then you talk to other people, oh, I didn't see nothing, but I sure did feel this. I felt that. And see, the thing is, Jesus, as we all know, is our kinsman redeemer. He's the one who redeemed us from the law of sin and death. And the word kinsman redeemer is like in the book of Ruth. Now, Ruth loved her mother-in-law. But they had gone out. Both of the husbands had died for the uh, two women and stuff. That's with the lady's sons. And so one lady decided to stay. The other lady decided to leave. That's the same thing we have now, faith. Either faith is or faith isn't. Faith is obeying the scriptures and believing it. Uh, the other one is fear. I'm afraid it's not going to work. I'm not going to, it's not going to happen. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. That's fear talking. Faith is whatever God says I can do, I can do. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And with the kinsman redeemer, as Boaz, what happened was uh, he came. They went back to Naomi's place, and she told her how to get ready to meet this man. He was the one who was the kinsman to Boaz. I mean, to uh, Naomi. And so, as Naomi got the girl prepared, told her what she needed to do, she obeyed the word of God, which was being spoke to her mother-in-law ended up being redeemed because he was the closest one to the family. And he was, uh, he had one competition, but other than that, he was the one who God had set up to redeem, redeem uh, Naomi. And Naomi 
was put back in the position of joy. Ruth got joy. Boaz got joy. And the joy ended up producing down the line, Jesus. So in other words, a kinsman redeemer is one who is able to redeem you because of the bloodline. Jesus redeemed us from the law of sin and death because he's in our bloodline. That's why he was called Jesus the man. But the spirit was the Christ or the anointing. Jesus was the anointed one. And he redeemed us by, first of all, suffering under Pontius Pilate, getting beat, getting crucified, going to hell for three days and three nights in the earth. People say, well, where is hell? It's in the earth. A lot of times, you know, the scientists will even tell you, well, it's molten letter in the middle of the earth. And some places they have said, I don't know for sure, but they said they heard people scream in hell. So I really believe hell, according to the Bible, I believe hell is a real place. It's a literal place. Some people believe that where we're at now is hell. No, there's a place that's worse than this. It'll be under that ground. There's no rest day or night. God is mad at the wicked every day. So that's why they're there. But because of the kinsman redeemer, Jesus redeemed us. And if we obey him, we shall have life and life more abundantly. Anything else? How do we, if someone throws darts at us and... How do we get rid of them? I mean, how do we, uh-huh. what if we don't know okay. they're there? Okay, that is a good question. I'm glad you asked. To keep those darts getting to you, the Bible even tells you about them. It says, put on the whole armor of God. First, having your loins girded about with truth. Having on the best plate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having the shield of faith to quench. Here it is. To quench all the fiery darts. It's the shield, shield of faith. I believe God's word can stop anything. Then you want to have the helmet of salvation. In other words, I believe that I am saved. I believe that Jesus loves me. I believe that he redeemed me from the law of sin and death. I don't have to worry about these darts because the shield of faith is holding them off. You ain't got to hold the shield up in your hand, but I do when I first start off. I put it on every day. Then it says, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, made known unto God that the peace of God, this is the other scripture that I added, which it says, the peace of God, which is in Philippians 3 and 15, will keep your, uh, your heart and mind in perfect peace. And that's what it is. I put the scripture together. I don't worry about the devil throwing darts at me. My job is to hold that shield up. Now, the thing, what happens if a dart hits you before you get the shield on and everything? Well, then that's when you use the word. The word is medicine. The word is medicine. The more you use the word, the stronger you become in the word that you don't even have to think, of, oh, you hit me with anger. What, what overcomes anger? Joy. What comes overcomes uh, depression, joy, what overcomes fear, uh, love, perfect love casts out fear. You look for the opposite of whatever's attacking you. Like somebody uh, is trying to 
set you up to be angry for that day. And you've been hit by the spirit and you want to, oh, I want to get angry. I want But the Bible says, be angry and sin not. In other words, think about what does the word say. And that will crush that thing. The more you use the word, the stronger you can take things away from you. Did that answer your question? Yes, sir. I don't have any more questions. My mind is blank. Okay. Well, let me go to, uh, I want to show people on how to get the word into them. Let's go to Matthew, the seventh chapter. And see, this is some of the rules on how to get your, your prayers through, how to get the Holy Spirit. A lot of people come to the church and say, how do we get the Holy Spirit? How do we get the Holy Spirit? I said, the Word tells you how to do this. And here's one of the things first. Let's go to Matthew, the sixth chapter, and the 33rd verse. Matthew, Matthew the sixth chapter, and the 33rd verse. And it says this. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take care of thoughts for itself, for all the things of itself, rather. Sufficient is the day of the evil thereof. In other words, uh, you learn, first of all, the kingdom is made for God, and God put us in the kingdom. But the word is God. The word is God. The word is God. And his righteousness. In other words, he gives us the power to do what's right. Once you get the word in you, the more you put the word in you, the more you do what's right. And then these things will be added unto you. And if you read up above, it'll tell you what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, and all this. But now, the thing is, I want the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost. So is there anywhere in here that tells us how to get the Holy Ghost? Well, that's when we go to the scriptures and look at, I mean, Matthew, the seventh chapter and the seventh verse, seven and seven. Now it says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and he who knocks, it shall be opened. In other words, God says, you keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. You're going to find it. You're going to get it. God's going to take care of you. Then he compared himself to if uh, God's kingdom to what man would do. He said in the ninth verse, or what man is there of you whom your son asked the bread will give him a stone? Or will you give him, if he asked for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Or if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good gifts unto them that ask? So in other words, now that's pretty good, but what does that mean? Everything I need, I need to ask. But as I told you, you must take precept, must be upon precept, line upon line, and the Bible always interprets itself. So let's look at, uh, I think it's Luke, the 11th chapter. Luke, the 11th chapter. And the... Uh, the let me see, I want to go down a little bit. Uh, the ninth verse. Luke, the 11th chapter and the ninth verse. And I say unto this, it says, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. 
For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and he that knocketh shall be open. In other words, that's the same scripture we just got through reading. But see, this scripture adds more to it. Just like if you read about the demoniac, you read in Matthew, there was two people in the in the uh, in the in the graveyard instead of one. The others only tell you about one. That means there was another person there that didn't get his deliverance, even with Jesus. All right. Let's keep on reading here. It says, if you, if the 11th verse, if a son should ask bread of you, that is, his father, will you give him a stone? If he asks fish, will you give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you, then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. Let's turn that over here. How much more shall your heavenly Father give what the Holy Spirit to them that ask? And the first thing it says after that, and he was casting out devils. <laughs> so I'm trying to tell you, once you have the Holy Spirit, and that's what you got to do, ask, seek, and knock. Everybody don't have the Holy Spirit at the church. Everybody is not born again. And some that uh, has a, a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. In other words, well, I don't believe God is still doing casting out demons. Well, look, first of all, he said the Holy Spirit does it. So it's making me wonder if you got born again or not. Have your mind been elevated? Then it also that he told them to stay in Jerusalem until they're being endued with power. Second of all, are you endued with power? Is that why you talk against uh, casting out demons and stuff? Is that why you say, well, I don't believe in all that now that it was used to be? Because when the perfect comes, and that's the Bible, then you, we won't have to do this anymore. That is not what the Bible teaches. It says when the perfect comes and that is Jesus returns back, then our conversation will be like in heaven. You don't speak in heaven with the mouth. It's mind to mind. That's why the, the battlefield is the mind. Satan is trying to battle your mind, get you confused, destroy your thoughts. And so the more you understand, now you see if when you ask, seek, and not, you ask for the Holy Ghost. If I ain't got it at one church, I'll go to another church. I'll keep going until I can find the Holy Ghost where it can enter into me. And they, it's entered in by the pastor or the ministers or whoever has the gift can lay hands and pray for you. And next thing you know, you will have power. And when you have power, you'll have one of nine gifts. And those gifts are in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Where it says, okay, let me go to that. So you can see I'm not making this stuff up. This is what the word says. Go to First Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And the first verse. Because if you got the Holy Spirit, you're going to have one of these gifts. If you don't have one of these gifts, it's because you don't know it's already there or you, have, you haven't been to the right church. Because some people have gifts and don't even know they got gifts. So here's what First uh, Corinthians, the 12th chapter, in the first verse says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that when you were Gentile, Gentile means you don't have no covenant with God. You were carried away unto dumb idols, even as you were led. That's why I was talking about, he said, be cast in the sea. Cast it among the Gentiles. He ain't got no covenant with God. Put it on them. Don't put it on us. We're your people. We're your children. It says, 
Wherefore I give unto you understanding that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and that no man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, a human person can say Jesus is Lord. Do you hear me? But we're talking about a spirit in that person. If he's born again, yes, he can. But if he's not, he cannot say it. I've seen many a time when you get a cast a demon out, oh, they don't even want to hear the name Jesus. They don't want to hear about the Lord. So then it says, now are the diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different administrations, but the same Lord. There are differences in operation, but it is still the same God which worketh all in all. In other words, you got to understand when you working into spirit realm, it's God's spirit working through you. You don't have control over the gift; the gift controls you. But I have people that come in and tell me, "Man, I, I don't want to be. I want to come to your church. I want to prophesy to everybody in there." And I said, "If you see you want to prophesy to everybody, in there, I'm already thinking you ain't coming." I don't let everybody in my pulpit. I want people to be helped. And being helped is by knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. The Bible also says, if you want get an understanding, it says wisdom is the principal thing. But with all you're getting, get an understanding. Wisdom and understanding will produce knowledge. Knowledge of what you need to fight the enemy. Knowledge is what you need to get from God, those things that you need. And right now we're talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit. So here we are. This is, uh, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For one is given the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles. See, there it is again, my favorite word, miracles. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another dive type of tongue, to another interpretation of tongue. But all worketh within one and self-spirit, dividing steadily as he will. In other words, not as you will, as the Holy Spirit will. So let's go back and look at this. Starting with the eighth verse, it says, one is given the spirit, of the word of wisdom. Wisdom means that when the, uh, God's gift is working through you, it tells you things of the future. And that's what it means, wisdom. It's not how smart you are or anything else. It gives you uh, ideas. It, it tells you things of the future. To another, the word of knowledge. That means things that's happening now and things that happened in the past. Like one lady, she was at Rama. And Kenneth Hagin was there, and she came up and he said, I see you at your house at 2 o'clock this evening. You was on the stairs, and you were praying to God that he would give you this uh, answer to this prayer. And he said, now here's the answer. Now the thing is, he talked about there's something that happened in the past. I've been with other ministries. They, they can not only tell you what you did today, they can go back 20 or 30 years under your family and tell you what, uh, who had the blessing and who had the curses on them. Because with knowledge of knowing who has the blessing and who has the curses, you know to destroy one and encourage the other. I always encourage the family members of mine that was 
praying. Like my great-grandmother, she stood out on the front porch. Tornado was coming at her house. She pointed at it and said, in the name of Jesus, get up and get away from my house. And the thing picked straight up and went over the house, didn't even touch it. Because people like her, who spent time in the Word, spent time with the Lord, you know, instead of always complaining, that's what most people do, instead of praying prayers and saying, thank you, Lord, for for the miracles you done put in my life today. I thank you for my children. I thank you for hey, food on my table. I thank you for the roof over my head. I thank you that I have a body that's functional. But all they want to do, oh, Lord, you know, I got a, a pain in my hip. I got a pain in my head. I, I, I don't have enough money. Start celebrating that God's going to give it for you. But you can't doubt. That's the main thing. So that's those two gifts. Let's keep going here. It says, to another, uh, starting at the uh, ninth verse, to another faith by the same spirit. In other words, there is a thing called supernatural faith, supernatural faith, that where you can believe God for anything, like Moses. Moses believed that God could open up the sea. He put his hand, stretched it out, and God opened up the sea, dry land and everything for the, for the Israelites to go over. Now, that's supernatural faith. But there is another faith that you can have. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Substance. That means you can feel your faith. You can also feel doubt. You can feel either one of them. Well, when doubt's coming, you feel the fear. I hope this will work. I hope this word is true. I hope. I hope. Mm-mm. Faith says it is true. I don't care what I see or what I think. I believe what the word says. To another, this is the gift of healing. Now, what does it mean, the gift of healing? It means that some people might have a, a gift to pray for blind eyes. Another one might have a gift to pray for body pain. Another one might pray for uh, back problems. Now, he pray or she pray for anything else. It doesn't work. Why? Because that's not the gift that's that the Holy Spirit is using through them at that time. So nobody can get the big head and say, look, I can open up blind eyes. I can, I can prophesy to everybody. I can, uh, anything that the Bible says, I can do it because I have, I have this much faith. But see, when things don't come to pass, do you still have faith? That's the problem. Do you still have faith? Then it says, to another working of miracles, and miracles is a, surprising thing that brings happiness. Like if you you gone to bed that night, you bought a lotto ticket, and you woke up and found out you're a millionaire, you'll be joyful. And that's a miracle because all the people that's playing, how did your number get picked out of all those people? God had to do it. All right? To to another, prophecy. Prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. Doesn't necessarily mean or seeing the future. Prophecy is to be able to tell people, listen, I understand what you're going through. The Lord done revealed it to me, and I'm praying for you, sister. I'm praying for you, brother. The Lord done revealed this to me, that you're not living right. You got aunt so-and-so that you ain't forgave, and that's why you're arguing over the money now. And you don't even know these people. But that's one of the gifts that's operating through you. And as that gift operates through you, people see miracles. And this is what draws them to the Lord. This is what gets people to come to the church. I know for myself, if I was going to any church and I hear ministry like this, I'd be heading for this ministry. 
or heading for a ministry that has something like this because our God is a consuming fire. He's not dead. <laughs> He's yet alive. He's on fire. And that's what we need to do, get on fire and believe what he says and keep that in our mind. This is the truth. I don't care what I believe. This is the truth. And then it says, to another um, uh, to another discerning of spirits. Well, a lot of people don't even know what the discerning of spirits are. They, oh, I can discern the spirit. I can see what's in that woman. I can see what's in that man. Listen, that is not how you discern spirits. The word discern means to be able to judge. And first of all, you've got to be spiritual. And you wouldn't be critical, but you'd be trying to figure out, how can I help this person? This person is caught up in adultery. How can I talk to them without hurting the feelings that they need to stop this? This person is caught up in addiction to cocaine, crack and stuff. How can I talk to this person without hurting their feelings and not judging them? Because it could be you. That could be you in, the, in that addiction. How to talk to them, but the word of God will tell you certain things. And that's called uh, discerning of spirit. So I know this person. I say, okay. You're cooked up on nicotine. I ain't been not near you or anything else. You're, you've been taking, uh, oh, let's give it an example, marijuana ever since you were 13 years old, which was on January the 2nd, 1959. You were sitting in front of your house and your friends brought this around to you, and you didn't really want to, but you gave in to it, and their names was Michael and John. And you know, when you can do that, that, that gets people's attention. It's miracles. And because of that, you, knowing that's miracles, they draw them closer to the Lord. Then it says, to another, dire types of tongues. I teach there are four different types of tongues. There's the tongues of angels, the tongues of men, the tongues you uh, speak in the church, and the tongues you speak directly to God and no man knows the interpretation. So in other words, you, you, you're giving in to the Lord, let him do all the work, and all you do is like a potty parrot. Just listen to him and follow his lead. The Holy Ghost leads you one way, follow the Holy Ghost. So anyway, then it says uh, to another interpretation of tongues. I was at Oral Roberts University, and this guy, uh, it was Oral Roberts actually, got up and started speaking in tongues. And everybody's looking at everybody, and they wait for somebody to interpret. Finally, this guy got up and he said, I can interpret what it is. They said, well, how do you know? He said, because he spoke Italian. He said, now, I'm Italian. He said, so he started explaining the, uh, the interpretation about it. He said he was glorifying God, and he wasn't talking about getting a new house, a new car, or anything else. He was giving glory to God. And he said, but then afterwards, I couldn't understand him. And this other guy stood up. He said, the reason he couldn't understand it, he started speaking Japanese. And I'm Japanese. And he interpreted what the word was saying. So there's that type of interpretation where it's a language, or it could be a, a language that we don't no longer speak. And somebody can be able to interpret it. Or there's a, because uh, that's why I said, pray that there would be an interpreter in, in the church and let it be done by two or three so there'd be a witness. When people say, I don't need you to judge my prophecy. I don't need you to judge my tongue. Uh-uh. The Bible says out of two or three, let it be, everything be established or witness. 
So now we're learning how to get the Holy Ghost. We're learning how to get power. Now we're showing how to use that power by submitting yourself unto God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It says, but all, the 11th verse, it says, but all these work one and the self-same spirit, dividing every man severally as he will. So in other words, as I told you, you don't control the gift. The gift controls you. And say maybe uh, maybe next week, or I won't be here next week, the week after, I'll teach on a new subject, and we'll see what the Lord says and how to move in signs and wonders. We just learned about miracles. Now we want to learn in how to move in signs and wonders. So you have any other questions or any comments? Oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. I didn't, I, I was like moving in signs and wonders. Miracles, yes, mm-hmm. but signs and wonders. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. That will be very interesting. Mm-hmm. There was a place in California called Azusa Street Revival. And so mm-hmm. they were in there praying. They were in there praying and everything. And the building caught on fire. And they, they were still in there, nobody screaming, nobody hollering. The fire was burning and getting, growing more and more, and the fire department came. And when they came, they noticed the building was on fire, but nobody was burning. The building wasn't even burning. The fire was all around the building. They took pictures of it. It's called the Azusa Street Revival. So that was a sign that the Holy Spirit is still here. The Holy Spirit... Is poured out, and I'm going to talk about how that happened at that church and how other signs and wonders are here visibly that we're just not paying attention, that we have not seen. So I'll be back here again in two weeks. I want to thank you, Sister Dorothy, for inviting me onto the program. I pray that somebody has learned something. And if anybody have any comments or criticism? I wish there was some way I can see them, though, if you'll send them to me, because I can't read mine. <laughs> send it to me, and I'll be <laughs> glad to read. Right. Okay, I, I will do that. Um, usually, I guess, you, when I put it up on YouTube, they comment there more than anywhere okay. else for some reason. So, yes, I would like to thank you so much. That was a good lesson tonight. I feel very edified. Amen. As I say, Jesus does it because uh, without him, I couldn't do anything. One of the things I, as I say, uh, when I talk about uh, signs and wonder, <laughs> wait till I tell you about uh, what happened with me with how Jesus stayed at my house for three and a half days. And he Ooh. taught me the Bible on the first level. And there's four four levels to learn on. So we'll talk, we'll talk about those because that'll be part of the signs and wonders. So until next time, you have a blessed day. I'm glad to talk to you, and I'll call you a little bit later. All right, Pastor James. Father bless everyone. Good night. Let me pray for everybody before we let go. 